Come, hip hip hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. I have my old buddy Thomas Booker on today. Of course, we always talk baseball, but uh, we do want to remember the veterans uh, and uh, the event that happened 80 years ago. And uh, it was one of those uh, events that nobody even uh, had a clue that it was going to happen over here. But uh, as we know, uh, World War II was going on in Europe, and, uh, and it was starting to spread out into the South Pacific. And uh, the Japanese leaders decided that uh, they were going to attack uh, one of our uh, bases, and uh, they did. And uh, the great speech that Franklin Delano Roosevelt made the day after was, uh, I, I can still listen to it. I, I get chills down my spine, Me Thomas, too. every time I hear it. But uh, there was uh, our guys, this country, um, just like one of the Japanese leaders said, we've awakened the sleeping giant, and that's exactly what happened. And it was, um, we, don't, we don't want to ever forget uh, the heroes of the greatest generation during that time and um, and the country as a whole the country stood up and and that uh, kind of a four-year period uh, they it stood st- uh, very tall um, you have got some of your buddies uh, are going to call in today and one of them was um, uh, Billy Martin's son is going to call in and uh he was one of my favorite uh players and coaches or managers you might say because he 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 had a uh, disposition of never losing he he when he was coaching the players had better listen to him at the time. And you and I remember when he and Reggie Jackson got into a fight. 1977. Uh, in the dugout. Yeah, I saw it. I mean, it, it was uh, unbelievable. And uh, his uh, he was a great second baseman. He really was. In fact, I remember one of the World Series games, uh, there was a high pop-up and really nobody was responding to that pop-up in the infield. And here comes Billy just a flying, and he made it just in time to save the game and save the World Series. So baseball was king back then, wasn't it? Sure it sure was, and his dad was right in the middle of it. Uh, all, all the people in my generation, as we grew up, we loved baseball. We, we started playing when we were six and seven years old with our dads, and, and uh, 
I don't think there's ever been a time, especially uh, during the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, that uh, baseball wasn't the number one um, uh, sporting event at the time. It, it was unbelievable. Still is to an extent. Yeah. Now, tell me, uh, oh, oh, I do want to mention one of my high school uh, buddies in my class of uh, 59, uh, Howard Moore, passed away. And I'm so sorry to hear that. I, I didn't know until Richard Reeves called me on the way over here. Yeah. And, and he was wanting to know if that was our Howard Moore. And uh, I said, was he from Smyrna? He said, Yes, and I said that's is our Howard Moore. You spend the night with him, and and uh, what a great family. Um, his dad was injured very early in life, and he was in such pain uh, each day. Uh, but the the family was very uh, positively uh, enforced with taking care of him, and they did such a an unbelievable job. So your your friend worked at uh, Bridgestone for many years and retired from there, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and he was such a nice, nice fellow. I mean, low key, uh, and uh, it, it, it was a he was a great person to grow up with. Now, uh, Harmon Killebrew's son Ken mm -hmm. has it been a uh, big part of our conversations in baseball. How did you uh, dig up uh, uh, Billy Martin's son? <laughs> uh, found him through Kenny, actually, just from back in the day. Uh, oh. Just, you know, old friends, I guess you could say, kind of reunited. So uh, I was actually with Kenny's brother back in August in Texas, and we met up with Billy Jr. there, got to meet him and go to a Angels-Rangers game. He's a big Rangers fan. Yeah from when his dad was coached there back in the early to mid-1970s. Super nice fella, though. Isn't it great that the, the, uh, the, the, the young uh, kids, the, the boys, uh, how they uh, are kind of like a um, – I, I, I'm trying to find the right word, but, but, but they're almost like family when, when you think about it. They really baseball are. has always had that uh, that uh, feeling for most of us. Um, you know, we'd get mad at, at certain teams we didn't like, sure. which, which that's normal in sports. <laughs> but when you get right down to it, uh, the relationships are, are still pretty solid. Well, Kenny's dad, of course, you know, playing with the Washington Senators and later the Minnesota Twins, uh, played against Billy Martin there mm -hmm. early on. And then 1969, well, before 1969, about 1965, Billy Martin went to Minnesota and worked as a scout mm -hmm. for the Minnesota Twins after he retired from playing. Yeah. And then 1969, Calvin Griffith hired Billy to manage the 1969 Minnesota Twins. They ended up winning the American League West Division, mm -hmm. and unfortunately they lost in the playoffs to the 1969 Baltimore Orioles. I've never have been a Baltimore fan. I Baltimore am sorry. Is, well, I know that you like I like them Baltimore. Kinda. I like I like Earl Weaver. A unique team. Uh, Brooks it's Robinson. Some, it's just something about oh yeah, Brooks Robinson was a great player. I mean, you couldn't find a better third baseman anywhere than Jim than Palmer, Robinson. he yeah. was good. He's a good pitcher. 
just good. He won the most games in the 1970s for a pitcher. And he loved talking about it. A great pitcher. <laughs> great pitcher. But uh, I don't know. I like the Orioles from back then. You know, they're one of the four teams now that have a black cloud over them. They just cannot seem to pick it up and get back into contention. It's kind of sad. Baltimore is a, is a town that I would not want to live in. Back in the day, I would have, but yeah, not now. It's horrible. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it, it see it's really hard for me to see all those cities that were great at one time. They they just seem to be eroding, and uh, of course, a lot of it is the leadership in those particular cities. But, sure. Uh, uh, were you were you happy with the uh, Hall of Fame inductions from the other day, or the other day nominations? You saw Tony Oliva. He's Tony Oliva was a, a very good ball player. He deserved it. Jim Cott. Jim Cott I liked. Minnie Minoso. Oh, gosh, yes. He, he, I think he was beamed more in, than any other player he in was. real baseball. In the 1950s. Yeah, he stood with the right, on, with the the, he Chicago stood right Sox. on the plate when he would get up. There. He was hardcore. And yeah. then, thank God, Gil Hodges got in finally. Long right. overdue. Yeah, he, he was a great first baseman. I text Gil's daughter the other day right before the nomination or the election and uh, asked her what she was doing, and she was actually sitting with Gil's wife, her mother, mm-hmm. who's 95 years old and still living in the same house that they lived in back in the 1950s when he was you know, the first baseman for the boys of summer. But she said she was sitting there with her mom waiting on the announcement, hoping he'd get in. So... Thank God he got in. That's special, isn't it? Very special. I, th- I think that's uh, the number one goal for most players outside of winning the World Series is is to be uh, nominated for the Hall of Fame. He should have just... been in the Hall of Fame 40 years ago, in my opinion. But... Yeah, I wonder why. Uh, you know, you, you have all these great players. Politics. That, yeah. Uh, uh, is, is that why Pete Rose is not in there? makes you wonder i don't know (laughs) you're changing a little bit well i don't know well uh, the the hall of fame is made up for what you do on the field when you play the game and i don't think there's ever anybody that uh, played harder than pete rose should shoeless joe jackson be in you know i still not sure that that shoeless joe did anything wrong so I don't know, but you know he did come back to ba- play baseball. Well, he played after, that. after he died. Oh, in the field of dreams. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Hey, we got a caller on the line. Caller, welcome aboard. Hi, Truman. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. All right, good. good. How, How are, are you doing? To, uh, Billy Martin Jr. Yes, and I just absolutely loved your dad. He was a, in my uh, opinion, he was one of the more underrated baseball players and managers in the history of the baseball uh, uh, sport. I agree. Yeah. Where are you? you. I'm in Arlington, Texas. Uh, We, uh, dad managed the Rangers uh, in the early 70s. Uh-huh. 74. 74 really was his only full season here. And his next job yeah. was New York, so we 
kind of dropped anchor here. This became our winter home. And I don't know if you remember, Dad always wore a cowboy hat and, and yeah. boots after uh, managing <laughs> the Texas Rangers. But uh, anyways, it's, uh, this, this is home for me. And I, uh, I was kind of excited about all the Hall of Fame stuff. Hopefully, hopefully Dad will be guys real soon. Has there been any uh, speculation from the hall that he might be on a up and coming ballot someday? Well, he, Billy, he has been on the. You know, they've changed it. It's no longer called the Old Timers Committee, but the Veterans Committee. You know, uh, but he has been on that list. He has gotten several votes. Um, you know, from a number standpoint, I think it's it's inevitable as a manager. He's he's got a better winning percentage than ten of the managers in the Hall of Fame already. Uh, he's one of only three managers to take four plus teams to the postseason. Uh, he and Tony Larusa both have taken four teams, and Tony's already in the Hall of Fame. And says my father's the best manager he ever knew. And Dusty Baker's the other one. He's taken five teams to the postseason now. Um, so. You know, there there aren't many managers in in perspective. You know, there's uh, kind of a, one of those weird situations, kind of like the position of closer. You know, there aren't a lot of closers in the Hall of Fame. And, you got about six or seven. And guys like, I'll tell you a guy who you guys are probably all very familiar with, who is who is up for it. You know, is is a guy named Joe Nathan. And yeah. probably yes, very well deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Very dominant But it's pitcher. such a unique position, and look what's going on in the game now. Will we even see closers like that 10 years from now? I, I was surprised Lee Smith day. got in. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, I'm glad to hear you guys say that about my father. He, 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 would have loved, he would love to be in the Hall. Baseball was his life. And all that mattered to him was winning games. Do you remember the pop-up in the World Series that nobody was was responding to it and Billy took off? And uh, he, he was flying, and he caught that pop-up before it hit the ground. Do you remember them talking about that? Did I lose you guys? Can, yeah. Can you hear us? What happened there? Okay. Oh, I don't know. Uh, you're we you're in the middle the of uh, somehow. Are you, are you out? We we've lost. Yeah, did we, did we lose him? Can you there? Uh, all right. Can you hear us, Billy? Hello, Billy. We've we've lost him, uh, guys, at the radio station. Hey, Ken. Uh, Billy. Billy Martin. Still, I I think I lost Kenny. But, uh, well, well, I guess I think Billy was on Kenny's phone, and then Kenny three-wayed to the radio. Have we got either one of them? I don't think so. Well, maybe. Uh, hopefully, they will call back because we we I'm need to get them back. I'm sure he will. But I, I was hoping. Um, well, last did we have Ken or Billy? Billy called Kenny 
and then Kenny called the radio station like on a three-way phone conversation so they could both be on the radio at the same time. But but we did have Billy most of that time, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. But I was going to say about his dad while we're waiting for him to call back, one amazing thing to me about Billy Martin is the fact that he carried four different teams to the postseason. Yeah. But he did it when it was just east-west. You know, now you got more of a chance because you look at all these wild card teams that make it, and you've got the east, west, and central. And back in Billy's day, it was just the east and the west, and that was it. Well, plus, a lot of people don't realize it and probably don't remember it, but Billy fought in the lightweight and the heavyweight at the same time. Yes. His son told me about that when we were together back in August pretty impressive yeah it was pretty impressive uh it it, uh, it it ruled the uh uh sporting announcers for about two or three weeks i mean th- they had to show it just over and over and over it's it's a major part of the history of baseball very much so he grew up in berkeley california and i think he kind of grew up in a section that was a little rougher than most yeah and i think he just had to learn at a young age especially him being the size he was to defend himself yeah and you know when it came to baseball it paid off all right well, hopefully we got him back uh can you hear us you're exact yes sir and you're exactly right my father did grow up on uh, the tough side of town. As a matter of fact, he, he was even offered a, an opportunity to be a professional boxer. <laughs> and he turned that down because he knew he'd never be bigger than a welterweight and he'd never be able but to he, fight the but best. But he kept training. <laughs> he kept but trying. in baseball, he'd be able to hopefully play, play with the best. And, but, he, but he continued working on the speed bag and, and taught all of his middle infielders that were willing to learn how to how to work a speed bag because he felt like it was really yeah. good for their eye-hand coordination and would make them better at turning double plays. Who, who was his best, uh, two or three best friends uh, in baseball when he was uh, playing and managing? Did we get cut off again? I don't know. Oh, Did I it? hope not. Weird. Billy, yep, I hear I, I hear their voice. Um, we it sounds like we we're gonna have a hard time unless we have Can you one. You guys hear us okay? Yeah, yeah, we, we hear fine. Truman, yes, Kenny. Boy, he can't hear me. Mm-mm. Kenny, um, Kenny, maybe should we just try Simon? Yeah, give try him a call we'll, back. Yeah, try that. Okay. That's what they're gonna do. Okay. It's odd. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that difficult to have both of them calling in. I don't remember that. But uh, that's okay. Kind of nice to have them both on, though. Yeah, it is. Because Kenny has good recollection from, you know, when he was little and his dad was, of course, you know, one of the number one players there on the Minnesota Twins and getting to be around Billy. All right. Uh, Which one have we got on now? You've, You've got Billy back and uh oh yes our our fathers had a an amazing relationship i mean my, my mother was telling my 86 year old mother was telling me stories the other day about how Harmon would just 
jump in the car with him in spring training and put his arm around my mother like like she was his sister. And, <laughs> and, and my father probably wouldn't have allowed many guys to do that, but uh, he was comfortable with Harmon doing it because he loved him so much. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot you of were, friendships. Could you but... Oh, yes, yeah. sir. Well, you guys were talking I, uh... about the my father's, where he grew up and stuff like that, and I don't know if you could hear me after you talked about him growing up in Berkeley, kind of on the tough side of town. Yeah. We could hear you, but you couldn't hear us. Okay. All right. Well, then I won't Which is not again. bad because they're more interested in you than they are us. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. Are you guys in Tennessee? We are just you? southeast of Nashville in Murfreesboro. Awesome. It's the fastest growing city in the country. Our county is. Well, and, uh, I, I, uh, but, uh, yeah, well, we're we're losing some population, and that's all uh, uh, my buddy Thomas's fault. Oh, hush. <laughs> he's, he's saying that because I'm a funeral director. Oh, people are dying to see you. Left yeah. and right. <laughs> Very good, Billy. Whoa, wow. Big time. <laughs> You've got Never your dad such before. a humor. <laughs> hey, it's the only job where you get to wear a suit and play, play in the dirt. Hey, nice. Very nice. So, <laughs> I sadly have been been at a lot of funerals lately with this uh, crazy yeah. world we're in. And who knows where, where yeah. things are headed. Let's just, let's just hope baseball get things figured out this off season so that uh come april fool's day we'll, we'll see some ball amen to that yeah we'll be right back we the the station's gonna have to take a a break but uh i i want to talk to you about that with the yes, it, we may be having some problems in baseball again yes sir From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, my name is Patrick Garland, and I love living here at Adams Place. Because ever since I came here, I feel I'm part of a new family. The people here are fantastic, the employees as well as the residents. I'm meeting so many wonderful people, and I just enjoy every single day. I do a lot of reading, I do a lot of writing, research. I have invited my friends to come to Adam's Place to visit and see what it offers. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Hi, this is Bob Cornell, pastor of Covenant Church right here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 
The answer that you've been looking for is found in Jesus and what he accomplished at the cross. You see, Jesus changes lives from the inside out. We would love for you to join us at Covenant Church, located at 1124 Brinkley Ave, right here in Murfreesboro. We have services Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. You can learn more about us at our Cornell Ministries YouTube channel. We want you to grow in Christ at Covenant Church. If your job situation is changing because of layoffs or restructuring, you may have to make several decisions. One important decision may be what to do with your retirement plan. Make sure your retirement stays on track. I'm Lee Colvin, your Edward Jones Financial Advisor, and I'd like to help. Stop by our office in the Public Shopping Center on South Rutherford Boulevard or give us a call at 615-907-7056 for a face-to-face appointment. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Tennessee cities rank highly on a national list they probably don't want to be on. The personal finance website WalletHub places three Tennessee cities among the top 40 in its most sinful cities in America list. The site ranked 180 cities across nearly 40 indicators of evil deeds, including violent crimes per capita, excessive drinking, and adult entertainment businesses per capita. Memphis ranks 10th on the list, Knoxville 30th, Nashville 38th. Murfreesboro police say they've arrested a man who tried to rob a bank using a note written on a coffee filter. Reports say 49-year-old Alan Clark entered the Pinnacle Bank on Southeast Broad yesterday morning and handed the coffee filter to the clerk asking for money from the drawer. Black Fox Elementary School was briefly placed on lockdown before officers found Alan and recovered an undisclosed amount of cash. Alan was wanted on previous warrants and is currently being held on an $80,000 bond. The Tennessee Court of Appeals is ordering a new trial for a black man who was convicted by an all-white jury in a room with a Confederate flag. The appeals court agreed that Tim Gilbert's right to a fair trial was violated in 2020 when the jury deliberated in a room named for the United Daughters of the Confederacy that contained a Confederate flag and a bust of Jefferson Davis. Gilbert was found guilty and sentenced to six years for aggravated assault. The appeals court pointed to a previous legal conclusion that flags can communicate government's identity and values. Socialize with us on social media. Log on to Facebook.com slash WGNS Radio and click the like button. Or follow us on Twitter at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news. Guys, it's important to prioritize your health. This is Scott, and I recommend getting an annual health assessment at Low T Center in Murfreesboro where they check all your levels, not just testosterone. Low T Center exclusively specializes in men's wellness, and they make it quick and easy to take care of your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, noticed weight gain and loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. Low T Center offers the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments shipped directly to your home for only $155 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. At Low T Center, most health insurance is accepted. Schedule your appointment online right now at LowTCenter.com. That's LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. 
Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the upper 40s. Northeast winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies, a low of 33. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 31. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn, pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NAC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Billy Martin Jr. Are you still on, Billy? Yes, I am. Oh, good. Now, um, Thomas and I were talking off the air, and um, when you hear the announcers in today's world of baseball, they seem to forget all the great players in in the times before. I mean, talking about in the four, even in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and some in their 60s. that kind of works against people like your father who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame right now. It's pretty difficult, isn't it? Uh, yeah, there's it's, – it, it's – I don't know, and is it today's society that just doesn't have respect for the past, for history? Right. You know, I mean, you look at all the – statues that are being taken down in our world and we can't rewrite history we can only learn from it and amen and and in sports you know i I hear so many people say these crazy things like oh oh babe ruth couldn't have done that in today's game yeah he could and and he probably been even better in today's game because all they did was pitch around Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was hitting yeah. more home runs than some teams. So in bigger ballparks with softer baseballs. So so they pitched around him all the time. And you think about it. You think about my father as a manager. What would he tell his starting pitcher? You know, he he wouldn't let he wouldn't let any of these guys throw no a single way. strike to Babe Ruth, right? I no. I don't care if we walk yeah. him every time. And I agree. You know that's that's what was going on back then, and the guy was amazing. In today's world, a player pitchers throwing a hundred miles an hour, all he'd have to do with that giant bat of his, he well he'd be swinging a thirty-two ounce or thirty-three ounce bat, like everybody else, as opposed to a fifty ounce one, and 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 he hit a hundred home runs, you know. And it's it's a it's just it's sad that we don't talk about the history more because especially in the game of baseball it's 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 all about statistics and numbers and and uh that's what makes it exciting when players are creeping up on new records very much so were you excited with uh 
Oliva and Cott and Minoso and Hodges? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, no doubt about it. I, You know, Tony obviously played for my father and was really good to me as a kid. And, uh, and Mr. Cott, talk about deserving. He and Dad even even worked worked games together um, as as announcers for for years. Uh, they were doing that in the '80s with the Yankees, and I I'm so thrilled for those guys. I, I obviously hope Dad gets to join them one day, but uh, but it's great to see, and certainly about time for several of them. Yeah, Billy's one of those that shouldn't have never been overlooked. And, and he 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 was at, on the front page of sports all the time back when he played and uh when he was a manager. Well, Dad obviously as a player, he was a ham and egger. He was a, you know, a, he was a 250 hitter, right? With 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 very little power. But he was very clutch, you know, and it, it's kind of inside joke was my, my one for four will kill you. But <laughs> if, if there was a hall of fame for world series players, he might oh, be your starting definitely. second baseman. You know, yeah. here he was a two fifty hitter in the regular season with, you know, a, a three fifty slugging percentage in the world series with basically a hundred at bats. He hit three thirty three. With with over a 500 slugging percentage, and was a completely different animal in the postseason. Had the game-winning catch in the 52 World Series. Was MVP of the 53 World Series. Mm-hmm. I remember and that Mickey, catch well. Do you really? Oh, yes. Well, I saw it. Well, <laughs> oh, how wonderful! So, okay, then maybe you remember something else that happened in 1953. You know, Dad tied a record of two other guys for 12 hits in in a six-game series, but Mickey Mantle told me that my father got hosed out of another hit, that that he hit a ball on the left side of second base, on the, you know, Pee Wee Reese side of second base for the Brooklyn Dodgers, and that, that Jackie Robinson ranged all the way basically into left field, dove, laid out for this ground ball, it, it hit off the very end of his glove as he laid out. Mickey said it was absolutely a hit. Everybody in the building knew it was a hit, and the official score gave it an error. And they didn't know. They were concerned that was the official score a racist and wanting to give Jackie an error, or was he mad at my father from an argument they'd had earlier in the season over some play, or both. But... Mickey said it was clearly a hit, and uh, you know, it, and it, it kind of, in a weird way, shows <laughs> how racism does hurt all of us because it cost my father a hit that would have been a record. He would have been the only guy to have 13 hits in a six-game series, and and Jackie doesn't deserve that error. Nobody else, according to Mickey, nobody else in baseball that played second base could have even sniffed that ball let alone laid out for it but uh i even asked cal carl erskine about it who who was the starting pitcher in three of those games in 53 
and he 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 still remembered that, and <laughs> it, it was still upset about a hit he gave up to my father in that World Series <laughs> seventy years later. <laughs> I, I mean, I really you know, couldn't we... believe it. I, I, <laughs> I loved it. I talked to the man about three weeks ago, and he brought it. He was so gracious and and awesome, and he brings up. 53 World Series, first inning. I'm in trouble. Now, now he's he's in a home, and but I mean, lucid and sharp as a tack at 94. And he says, they, they have me walk the guy to load the bases to get to your father. And I try to sneak a high fastball by him, and he promptly distributes that over our center fielder's head for a bases clearing triple. Your father hit the fastball pretty good, and Oh my! I think my stomach's upset. I don't think I'm going to be able to eat now. And uh, to to hear somebody with that kind of heart and passion for the game, seventy years after it happened, it, it just it amazed me. And, and he was he was telling me things that I didn't even know. We called your father the brat in the dugout, but none of us <laughs> called him that to his face. And, uh, I was. It was pretty neat. Ba- baseball was a better sport, I really believe, back in those 30s through the 50s. It was um, it it was king back then. People would dress up in suits, and and it, it was one of the more special events. Uh, a lot of them uh, would be, you know, would, they would travel long distances just to see their favorite team. And 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 I simply loved baseball during that time. I would uh, when I would listen to Mel Allen when the Yankees would be playing every day. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I love Mel Allen. That that was one of my favorites. You know, it was a different game, and 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 can quickly revert back. You know, it's it's one of the parts that drive me crazy is today's hitter doesn't take pride in doing his job that at-bat. And that changes yeah. every at-bat. Sometimes it's just to get on base, right? Sometimes yeah. it's to move a runner over. Sometimes it's to knock a runner in. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a home run. <laughs> you know? Sometimes it's just a ground ball to the right side to push the guy in or push the guy over. And and players' egos won't allow them to do some of those little things now and and, and that's the part that's frustrating, I think, for those of us that love the, I don't know, the the romance of, of the past game. Yeah. I think the shift's silly. I think <laughs> uh, I think Freddie Freeman is, it, it kind of fits into the old way. He seems to be a, a team man, which I absolutely love to watch that. Well, I do too, and... You know, you're you're right on a bunch of fronts. It's but but the game's yeah. always shifted and mutated, and and even even the yeah. shift. You know, I use Mickey Mantle as an example. There, I say to people all the time, Mickey Mantle would have hit against the shift, and they look at me like, oh no, he wouldn't. He was he was the most prestigious power hitter of his era. They would have wanted him swinging for the fences. I said, well, yeah, but 
Mickey also knew what his job was. And Mickey yeah. would lay down a bunt. He would lay down a bunt from the left side if he was 0 for 7 or 8 because he hated going 0 for 10. And he'd lay down a bunt just to get on base and do his job and kind of break up the mojo and, you know, get back on track. You're going to tell me that guy wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't push one the other way? I mean, he I was think so that's fast, amazing. he'd hit against the shift and get a double. And he was fast as lightning. But this day and age, you just don't seem like you have the players hitting against the shift or bunting against the shift or they just want to swing for the fence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hey, Billy. Yes, sir. Uh, Let me ask you this. Um, When the players strike, and we have seen this before, and it causes a lot of uh, negative fan reaction. Do they take that in consideration when these um, um, conflicts happen? Well, it depends on who they are. I mean, yeah, yes, it's they they do. The players' association does. the The owners do, but they're also trying to win. <laughs> They're also trying to yeah. win their argument, their negotiations. And, you know, it's one of those deals where it'd be nice if they take a bunch of people who just love the game and, and stuck us in a room and said, all right, you guys come up with some stuff. <laughs> you know, those of us who don't have – that aren't taking sides that just want the game to go on because yeah. neither neither side wants to give an inch. And that's why they're imposing this, you know, lockout. But they're doing it now. They're doing it in December. They're doing it to hopefully push the two sides together closer and say, come on, get this done before spring rolls around. Because, I mean, could there be a worse time to have a strike? After the pandemic and and all the crap that's gone on, yeah, that's true. To strike now would be terrible. Well, I agree. It's I it, it's just it's just one it's just one of those things. You, you know, back in the old days, Billy, as you remember, a lot of the players stayed with the same team, and 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 that's where. That's one reason, say, Mickey Mantle was so uh, 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 had such a high rating in New York. That's the only team he ever played for. And in, in, in a lot of times, people will adjust. If if a, if a great player uh, uh, like uh, say like Henry Avery was, if a great player switches to go to another team, a lot of times. The fans will adjust to that, and then they will start supporting the other team. It, 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 it's, it, I don't think that the, the, they stay with the teams as well as they used to, the fans that I'm talking about. Well, that's part of them, like you say, the moving pieces. I mean, yeah. because it is. It's a, it's, it's a game where you become a fan of players. And, yeah. And – and it breaks your heart to see that player leave your team 
and go somewhere else. And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I do, I do hate that. I, but I, you know, I don't know <laughs> what can be done about it other than just everybody needs to take a step back and realize that, you know what, in a good negotiation, everybody gives a little. Yeah. And it, let's hope they get this figured out and done. We've obviously got a long time between now and, and spring training, but you know, it, the game does not need this right now. It needs to get back on, on track, and then we can start complaining about the shift and all that stuff again. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me about the 50s and your dad and Mantle and Bauer and and all that old Yankee bunch. Tell me a little bit about them because they were special. Yes, sir. Um, you know, it's funny to me. It's like people would always say to me, why did your father love the Yankees so much? Because, you know, as a manager and – and probably one of the main reasons he's not in the Hall of Fame right now is all the craziness with he and George Steinbrenner and the and the five on and off <laughs> stints, right? And, and people yes. say to me all the time, "Oh, you you must have hated George Steinbrenner. He fired your dad five times." I'm like, "Well, yeah, but guess what? He hired him the exact same amount." And 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 people don't realize my father had a lifetime contract from the Yankees. I mean, yeah. that's you know. George George wanted to win as badly as my father did and 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 was as passionate about it and you know so I I understand and respect him and they've had a true love hate relationship. I mean, as much as my father would get angry at times, he loved the man because he was so loyal and he wanted to win as bad as my father did and and loyalty to my father was maybe the number one most important thing to, to winning in, in a lot of ways to him. Yeah. He really felt that was important. But uh, I'm sorry I digress because you asked me to talk about the 50s. And and the world was Oh, I'm glad you brought that so up different. too. Yeah. Well, well, think about this. My father was making, you know, well, everybody, where I started with this is why he loved the Yankees so much. He played for Casey Stingle in 1948, which was mm-hmm. the Pacific Oakland Coast Oaks. League. Oakland Oaks, yes, sir. My father my father roomed with Artie Wilson there, who was the first black man to, to play in the Pacific Coast League. And Dad was the youngest guy on the team. And next thing you know, Casey gets the job in New York in '49. Wins the World Series. In late mid-season in 50, he has the team sign Dad. Because he'd already won a championship with Dad in, in, in the Pacific Coast League. And he didn't even sign him at that moment for his, for his ability to play second base and hit. He wanted his grit. He wanted his mouth. He wanted his, his attitude in the dugout. Mm-hmm. And... So Dad gets signed mid-season 1950. Well, why do you think Dad loved being a Yankee? 
They won the World Series that year in 50. They won it in 51. They won it in 52. He got the game-winning catch. They won it in 53. He was MVP. I mean, those were his first four years in the major leagues before having to go serve the Army. Well, I wonder why he liked the Yankees. Hmm, he just went there and won World Series rings every year. And it's they, such a big difference financially. Yeah. Well, they did in 54. He, yeah. was, he, was, he was in the Korean War uh, that year. but um, and he was I'm sure his absence song, was missed, though. Well, obviously, uh, they didn't go. Yeah. But he, he was kind of a good luck charm. When he roomed with Mickey, Mickey won MVP. When he roomed with Whitey, he won the Cy Young. When he roomed with Yogi, he won an MVP. So, you know, it was kind of a joke in the clubhouse who gets to room with Billy this year because he was a good luck charm. But he, his, he, he was only getting paid. Now, now wrap your head around this because this is where there's been a big change in the game. He was getting paid $10,000 a year back then. Okay, mm. so if they won the World Series, he got another check for $6,700, almost 70% Dang. of his income, right? Well, that meant yeah. he could sustain himself and, and still live in New York City until spring training. If they didn't win the World Series, he'd have to get on the train, go back to Berkeley, and work in the penicillin plant or sell cars or both to make ends meet to, to keep his head above water before getting on the train and going back to spring training. So it mattered to those guys big time. So if you didn't run out of ball, if you didn't hustle on a play, you didn't have to worry about Casey Stingle getting in your face as you ran to the dugout. You had five or six players standing on the top step waiting for you, saying, hey, man, mm. you're jacking with our World Series money. What's wrong with you? And when the inmates run the asylum like that, it's, it's there's a whole lot more accountability. Yeah. Casey was a, a different individual, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, sir. He was, and he knew the game, and he knew. I, I love his statements to the press after. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was a psychologist. I mean, he, he really was, and I don't know. I don't know that neither he nor my father get credit for how good a psychologist they were at dealing with yeah. the different personalities and getting the best out of those guys. It's kind of cool to think, though, that Casey Stengel played under John McGraw. Your dad played under Casey Stengel. <laughs> yes, sir. And, I mean, oh, John yeah. McGraw was one of the best managers ever. He was. He yes, played sir. the ball that your dad loved. But I couldn't understand Stingleese. A lot of people couldn't. <laughs> but I loved to hear him. <laughs> he was entertaining. After your daddy was traded to Kansas City, was he still mm -hmm. close with Casey? No. Oh no, sir. He uh he was really angry at Casey and and oh. felt like Casey didn't fight for him like he should have. And uh, I luckily played a role in their reunion. I was, I was a kid in, in Detroit and Casey was at the game and 
I was young enough to where I didn't really know all the history. And, you know, funny, growing up as Billy's son, growing up in the game, having my mother take, you know, we went to every home game, which, which sounds awesome. Right? I mean, going to every game. I'd be in paradise. <laughs> well, but when you're five. True. <laughs> 81 games is a lot to be expected to sit still in a chair. Now, when I could sneak under the bleachers and play stickball with Robbie Alomar, yes, it was a blast, <laughs> you know. Um, but but to just sit still, it was a little tough at times. So, you know, it's funny. I didn't, I didn't know the game as well as people assumed I would at that as a little guy because I'm a kid. I wanted to play Monopoly, not sit and watch baseball. But uh, – you know, those guys back then, whew, I mean, they they took so much pride in all the little things. And that's what we need to see more of. Was your dad close to Joe DiMaggio? Yes, sir. Uh, they had a neat, almost big brother type relationship. Joe, wow. Joe would take dad out his dinner and and uh, Mickey told me these stories that were awesome because when, when dad passed Mickey lived here in Dallas and he'd take me out to dinner once or twice a month with his sons and tell me stories about my father stories I'd never even heard um, and he said he said he was so nervous about Joe D he said as a rookie, he could barely talk to him, meaning Mickey. He said he was the biggest celebrity in the game. He was Marilyn Monroe. And, you know, and he said, but your dad, your dad would play jokes on him. And, 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 and Joe loved it that dad treated him like one of the guys, not the super celebrity. And Interesting. I don't know if you're – yeah, well, think about this. Mickey told me about one of the gags. I mean, and, it, and some of them were little silly things like, hey, will you sign this ball and squirted, you know, the invisible ink that on, on his suit or something. And Joe would be like, oh, boy, and then it would disappear. But he said the best one he did was after they divorced, Marilyn Monroe came out with a Playboy centerfold. And Dad took that centerfold and taped it up inside the clubhouse door. And and so Mickey could tell you, he, he said, he, he was like, you know, we were so shocked because we thought, oh my gosh, Joe's going to kill him. And he said Joe would walk in and, and he always wore a three-piece suit and he'd walk in the, in the clubhouse and if he knew your name, you know, he, he'd point and go, hey, Truman. If he didn't, he'd just point his finger at you and go, hey, and kind of click his click his mouth, but uh, but Mickey could even tell you how he undressed. He's like, because they were just so in awe of Jody, and he's like, he, he, he took off his jacket first, then his shoes, then his vest. <laughs> and, but he said, Joe's used to everybody staring at him this day, but not everybody, and actually everybody in the room's looking at him because they want to see how he's going to react when he sees that poster. And he looks up and finally sees it, walks across the clubhouse, Pulls it off the door, crumples it up, looks at my father and shakes his head and throws it in the trash. You know, he knew exactly who did it. 
and I'm sure he was expecting it. But uh, Joe was really good to him, and even years later when Dad was manager for the Yankees, Joe would pop in his office and just just sit. They'd sit there all day, comfortable. Like but Joe was one of those guys he could actually sit in silence with, and there was it was comfortable. You know what I mean? Or after they catch up, how's the family? What's going on? They would just hang out. That's pretty cool. Your dad treated him that way. That should go. That that should go to show what kind of person your dad was, in in, in a good way. Yeah, but, I think so. he he loved Joe. And I'm sure that was special for Joe because I've read a lot of books on him and talked to people that knew him, and you know, I think he was a good fella, but just different. You're right. He was, and I. And I know his son wrote a book about him. It was bad, and um, kind of one of those. His son things passed where, away right after his daddy, maybe. Yeah, I don't. You know, Joe was Joe was such a legend. He was so great, and you want to talk about a guy who knew, who took pride in all the little things. Look at Joe DiMaggio's home runs versus strikeouts and most definitely you know, oh unbelievable yeah and to be and, a right-handed hitter i think his lifetime batting average was 318 and that's kind of rare for you know a power hitter to hit that high oh, lifetime sure and well and think about this too another thing people don't take into account they didn't understand they didn't work out in the off season. They didn't go home and lift weights and and Never. work on their speed and agility and quickness in the off. They went home and healed. That's what the off season was for back then. You would heal and then you go to spring training and train for the season and you start doing calisthenics and and that's where you did all your training was in training camp. Get ready for We're the working season. Now you better too. show up ready to go to make a team. It's just crazy how much has changed. Yes, sir. No, I, I, I had a, I had a neat uh, conversation with Ted Williams one day, and he was, he and Dad were really mortal enemies as players. My father would mess with him, try to start fights with him, because he knew if he could get, get in a fight with Ted, and, and they'd get, both get kicked out. He was helping the team, right? And <laughs> so. So, but, but they had a mutual friend, a man named Bill Reedy, who was the man in the car accident with my father, and, and he and Ted were friends, and he kept trying for years to get them together. And Ted would say, oh, hell no, I, I hate that Dago, blankety-blank. And, and, and Bill kept saying, Ted, he would have been your best friend had y'all been on the same team. And how he finally got him was he said, all right, well, who was your best friend on the Yankees? Ted said, well, Mickey Mantle, of course. I said, yeah, who was Mickey Mantle's best friend in life? Billy Martin. And that got Ted. Yeah, that got Ted. He went, wow, you got me there. He goes, all right, set it up. I'll, I'll go have a beer with him. And and they really hit it off, and it was neat because this, you know, they had passed not much longer after that, but, but they did get to build up a friendship, and 
and so Ted was good to me after after Dad passed. He take we'd go to breakfast whenever I'd go to spring training, and we're talking one day, and and he knew I was an agent and represented players, and he said, he said, I wish I'd have known about the weights. I would have crushed my wrists and forearms. And I looked at him funny. I said, for more power. Because Ted Williams had a ton of power, right? Yeah, most definitely. And, and he looked at me and said, no, hell no. Not for more power. I had plenty of power. So I could stop my swing when I was fooled on a curveball yeah. or I picked, I guess, the wrong pitch. Because they swung such heavy bats back then. They thought they needed that to get it out of the ballpark. And he wanted to just build up his wrists and forearms to stop his swing when he was fooled. And, that makes sense. You know, yeah, it does make he sense. He was a scientific was a hitter. Game. It really was. He was. Best hitter ever. Yeah. But I, that's amazing. I still think his book's one of the best ever, The Science of Hitting. That's a book I've never read. I need to read it. It's kind of neat because, you know, a lot of the things they talk about now, like they're like they just made this launch angle stuff up and all that. Ted talks about that in the science of hitting, you know, and he doesn't talk about this giant launch angle like a lot of today's players have, but more try to try to have your swing plane to be the same as the baseball coming down from the mound. So you're on the same level, just a slight upswing, he called it. And mm-hmm. that way you're, you're, you're yeah, your barrel then travels in the same line with the ball and gives you a better chance of of squaring it up. More time in that line versus a different angle. Mm-hmm. It, he didn't, that's why he didn't like to swing down at the baseball, which was a common phrase for a long time. Level swings closer, but a slight upswing matches that same trajectory the ball's coming downhill. And... That was in the seventies. He wrote that, and he was he was spot on. I mean, you know, you think about so many things. The heavy bats they swung. Guys didn't throw as hard, it, but they were throwing junk, and it was it was a different game back then. What kind of bat did your dad use? Uh he he was. He, he used Louisville Slugger, which was, you know, what most of them used back then. Um, kind of, I've actually got a, a unique piece of memorabilia right now. I've, I found a bat, a Mickey Mantle bat, signed by my father. Wow. And I, still oh, wow. I, 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 wish I, I wish I knew the story. I have no idea. Was it an accident? Did Dad accidentally sign it? But I don't see how. Mickey signature right there on the bat. You know, did somebody ask him to? Did he do it to make fun of Mickey one day? I, you know, at an autograph signing or something? I, I have no idea. The Mantle boys are like brothers to me, and they don't know the story behind it either. <laughs> That's what you need, Truman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we I saw I saw the Yankees play when they came through Nashville from the Grapefruit League. Uh, 
many years ago. I was just a young boy, and, and uh, I, I was so. Uh, it, there, there's a time in your life when something reaches another level, and to watch the uh, Yankees play uh, in in Sufferdale was was pretty special to me, and and, and uh, it, the level of play was unbelievable compared to other other teams at that time. Do you know about Sulfordale, Billy? No, sir. No, I, I I don't. What what year would you guess you're talking it's about? Probably 1950s for Truman, but Sulfordale yeah, opened it's the in the early 50s. Yeah, yeah. Sulfordale opened in 1871, and it was the oldest ballpark in the country. Yeah, yeah. And they tore it down in like the 1960s, but the Nashville Vols played there. It is very similar to the Giants Stadium, I guess. You had that real short right field and a high fence, and left field was was almost unreachable left center field. But Mickey Mantle hit a line drive. It couldn't have been over shoulder high. And it slammed into that center field wall, 450 feet away. It, it was unbelievable. It's like a shot well, out of a cannon. Been. So was this a spring training game they had there, huh? Yeah, they, they think they were on their way back to New York, I believe. Okay, so that that might have been 51, because although I it would make sense for them to do that any year, 51 was. Dads and Mickey and Whitey Ford's basically first, you know, spring training. And that's where yeah. they all kind of became friends. And uh, Mickey really tells a funny story about that or told me a funny story about that. But that spring, I know they'd gone all the way to the West Coast. And that was, they were trying to get baseball in California and the West Coast back then. There were no teams back then. The Dodgers were in Brooklyn, right? The the Giants yeah. were in New York. And and so they did their spring training in Arizona and stuff, and that's where Mickey and my father first met. Uh, their first practice was at, at some field in Arizona, and Mickey told me this really funny story. Uh, he said, here I, you know, here I am at my first spring training. I'm looking around, and there's five guys at every position. And he's thinking, man, we're going to have to start making cuts in the next couple of days, right? Well, Mickey was a shortstop back then. Most people don't remember that. And, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. And, and so they start taking ground balls. They start turning double plays. Well, about that time, Mickey was turning double play. This little Italian second baseman is arguing with the coach about how to <laughs> – in a double play. And and Mickey's saying, well, that little skinny guy's getting cut today. <laughs> and next thing you know, the old man, Casey Stingle, jogs over. And says, no, the kid's right. That's exactly how I want a double play turned. And Mickey said, I'm hanging out with that kid for now on. <laughs> and that's, that was the day he met my father and how they became friends. And Dad That's knew awesome. how Casey wanted a double play turn because he played for him in '48, and it, for the Oakland Oaks. So it's just you know, it, 
that was that was Mickey's take and his first moment to meet my father. And they became they were like brothers. To be honest, that that was that was his brother. And those relationships stayed that way for forever, don't they? Yes, sir. No, I talked to both David and Danny Mantle yesterday. I'm sure I will again today. They're Mickey Jr. passed uh, about 10 years after his father. And, and Billy, who was named after my father, passed away before the Mick did. Mm. There's kind of been That's a, tough. you know, the Mantle men have had it, had it tough. I mean, Mickey. People don't realize the reason Mickey was a big drinker and um, the wild man he was was he didn't think he'd live to see his mid-40s even because his yeah. uncles and father all passed before then. And his father worked in a mine in Oklahoma. Sulfur mine, chat. I think, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, sir. The, the, they called it Chat for some reason. That, that I don't The Chat Mines. But you're chat right. Mine. And it was terrible for you that in fact when when Nicky got sent down the first time he was going to quit yeah and his and his father got in his face and said hey what are you going to do come home and work in the chat mines with me and your uncle work like a dog and be miserable or you're going to get it together and get back out there and but you know they were king of the world in the 1950s Especially yeah. winning, you know, five World Series in a row, they could go out on the town and just have as much fun as they wanted. Oh, and it was a good decade. I, oh, think about this: if I could be a fly on the wall anywhere, it would have been in those early fifties at Toot Shores Bar <laughs> in New York, because Dad, Mickey, and Whitey. And the Yankees would go in there to hang out with Jackie Gleason and the Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra, mm. and Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis. And yeah. they'd all hang out at the bar. And, and 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 they said, you know, all the celebrities always wanted to ask sports questions, you know. What's Ted Williams like? And what's this guy like? And, and of course, the ball players wanted to know, what's it like uh, – Dayton Angie Dickinson, and <laughs> you know what, what's it like in the celebrity world? And I would have given anything to hung with those guys, drinking a Jack Daniels at such shores. <laughs> Most definitely. Well, well uh, I think that's a Billy, sitcom waiting to happen, ha right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We have run out of time, but I do want to have you uh, back on again. I've just thoroughly enjoyed it, Billy. You're a great guest. Anytime. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that, that, that's information. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's so much fun. Hey, before we end the show, uh, you mentioned David and Danny. Are they doing okay? They are. Um, you know, David's having some small health issues, but 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 he's pretty good. And if you'd like me to try to get David to do the show one time. Sure. Um, that would be, that would together, be great. Yeah. That would be wonderful. No, I'd be happy. To well, you, need, you need to travel up to uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I think you'd like it. Yeah. Well, I, I do have, I do have two 
former clients, current clients, whatever you want to call them now, uh, that are Tennessee guys. Joe, Joe Nathan is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lives near Knoxville, and 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 Stubby Clapp, who's the first base coach for the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh-huh. uh, the, uh Stubby's a coach now, and Joe Joe's uh, Joe's up for the Hall of Fame, and and who knows what he'll be doing next? He'll he'll be doing something in the game here real soon. I've got my fingers crossed for him because he was one great relief pitcher. Yeah, for, for we're pushing. Years, we're for pushing for your dad too. Thank you. I, I appreciate. We always will be. Joe. Yeah. For ten years, he had the best save percentage in the game. Where wow. you give him a chance to save the game, he did it better than anybody else in all of baseball for a decade. How many people can say that? Not many. No. No, mm-hmm. not me at all. Mm-hmm. All right, Billy. Uh, guys, thank you. you. You and I, and I can't wait to have you back on, big guy. Yes, sir. Be safe we'll and take you. care. Bye, bye. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.